Happy New Year! This week on The Zone of Truth, Griff and I lead an HLP retrospective of 2023, talk about what we want to achieve with the network in 2024, and of course, answer some listener questions. I'm your host, Steve, in the studio with your jam and my co-host, Griffin. Roll a will save. You're in The Zone of Truth. Old Lang Sign. <sighs> Old Yellow Sign. We're back, baby. Happy New Year, Griffin Norman. Yeah, let all acquaintance be forgot. Correct. Say goodbye to 2023. As we are recording, it is still the old year, not the new year yet. And I think this is the last recording that we're doing for the year, right? Yeah, I think so. We, yeah. Everything else we're pretty much wrapped up on. Yeah, we've banked enough episodes that we can all spend time with family and travel for those of us that are and do all that fun stuff so i'm sure it went well hopefully (laughs) who knows man holidays are crazy yeah how are you doing man doing well yeah yeah still rocking off the high of skull and shackles seven and eight that we recorded here's the deal i have been enjoying skull and shackles and i was planning on talking about this when we did get to skull and shackles we recorded pretty late last night i think we wrapped up seven and eight by like one in the morning. And I think last night was when it really clicked for me. And that happens to me with every campaign that we play, whether that's on this show or whatever. But there's the first few episodes of us all trying to find our footing. And maybe there's some good jokes or some good combats or whatever. But usually when we start getting towards double digits in episodes, that's when I feel like we really start to gel and things start to really work. And I was feeling it last night. Yeah. Very much agree. This is going to be a lot of fun. Everyone's really popping, at least in my opinion. And I am ready to keep going with this thing. See what the hell's going on in the Wormwood. Yeah, I think you guys have been very creative with the situation that the adventure presents to you so far. Mm -hmm. So it's made a book that is normally hated uh, (laughs) a lot more fun. Yep. Well, before we get too much deeper into any of that, We're not doing a seltzer review this week, as we oftentimes do, but we are definitely drinking. So, Griff, what are you bringing to the table today? Uh, Right now, I'm drinking a mango smooge from Imprint Brewing, again, brewery from around the Philadelphia area that just really impressive with these, like, smoogy, smoothie things. Never disappoints. They're always, like, smoothie colored. And they taste like a smoothie, and it's kind of hard to tell that there's booze in them. (laughs) Nice, man. Well, as for me, I'm about to crack a can here. I'm not going to dox the guy that gave this to me because he didn't say whether I could or not. But I have a friend at work who hooked me up with a couple drinks from Dank House Brewery in Newark, Ohio. I had one of them last night. It was the Stay Puffed. I believe it was the banana cream pie sour ale. It was absolutely delicious, but I'm changing things up today. I'm going to be trying the grape cherry. Ooh. Yeah, I'm, I'm, don't worry. Don't worry. It's coming your way. I'm excited to get a sip of that. That's fucking great. It is sour. It's more sour than the one from last night. Oh man, that's really good. That's good, man. I think Dank House is kind of known for their sours and these were the first two beers that I've ever had from them, and well done. They need to distribute around because I don't think they do. I'm very curious what the Stay Puffed like naming convention is because you know 
I'm not getting any sort of like marshmallow out of it, you know. know right? but, but it's it's a really good grape cherry combo. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know it's a sour ale. It almost tastes like a wild ale, which is kind of the stronger version of okay. a sour ale, just because of the like. I think the way that grape is interacting with the sour flavor, it almost gives it like a not quite wine flavor, but like a. I don't know, it adds a little something to that sour to sure. bring it out. Yeah, and good mouthfeel on it, too. That's kind of what I experienced last night with the banana cream pie one. And I think that's universal with the imprint stuff as well, the smoogies, that there's, they're, they're much thicker consistency. It's a very distinctive mouthfeel, yeah. yeah. I mean, these, and they're very different. Like, the smoogies are very actual smoothie. Mm-hmm in texture like you have to shake up the can because it almost tastes like it's got pureed fruit in it yeah well we're treating ourselves today with this last recording drinking some good stuff but griff what have you been up to these past couple weeks man oh um i've been walking a lot on my little desk treadmill i've been enjoying that it's getting a little chilly out to do it and the neighborhood's been you know the way it's been lately you know people stealing packages breaking windows in vehicles i don't really feel like walking around even if i feel relatively safe myself just walking around and being sus i don't like doing that to my neighbors not that i act sus but you know every time you walk past a house you know the dogs start barking and everything else this time of year and it's like just not worth it so i've been doing that and playing my dragon quest monsters at my desk which is pretty fun been doing kind of a rewatch of some One Piece. I think I talked about that several episodes ago, just getting ready for Skull and Shackles, getting in the mood for Skull and Shackles. So I'm redoing the Thriller Bark arc because I fell asleep a lot during the Thriller Bark <laughs> arc. The, the first time I watched it, we would watch it really late at night. So it's one of those arcs that like I know I was enjoying, but I don't know everything that happened. Mm-hmm. So... I'm just catching back up on that. But that's really been about it. I haven't been, I guess, watching any new material, uh, watching any really new stuff to me. And I've been stuck on this Dragon Quest Monsters game for the past three weeks it's been out. So you keep hearing me say that. (laughs) Hey, I mean, that's just you saying that you love it, man. Nothing wrong with that. As for me... Last weekend, I made my way out to the theaters. I caught The Boy in the Heron, the new studio Ghibli flick. Was Robert Pattinson's voice acting as good as the demo tape? Yes, it's wild. Truthfully, if I did not know he was in this film and did not watch the credits, I would have no idea. His voice is insane as the Heron. I see a lot of funny-to-me comparisons because... If it sounds anything like it sounded in the demo tape, like this really shows that Robert Pattinson has range as a voice actor. Yes. And what I find funny is like people draw the comparison to another actor that has been cast in a shitload of voice roles, Chris Pratt. I've seen uh, the who same just stuff. like does not change his voice for anything, really. Mm-hmm. And it's like maybe he's getting cast just because people want him to talk like Chris Pratt. But it's such a stark contrast between him and Robert Pattinson, where Robert Pattinson is completely changing the quality of his voice for this animation. And you're right, like, you can't tell it's him. And, you know, besides his 
wild yet good performance. I think the movie in general was really beautiful. A real joy to see on the big screen. First time seeing anime on the big screen. Never have seen an anime film in theaters. And it's a very confusing film, at least for me. But it is a very charming and interesting fantasy exploration adventure. It's very good. I would highly suggest people to check it out. If you like Studio Ghibli, I don't know. You might like this one, too. I've never seen any other Studio Ghibli movies. <laughs> I was just I about to ask how it stacks up. No idea. And I'm sure I'm going to be taking a task in the Discord. And I want to change that. I'll check out the Howl's Moving Castle and the Totoro and all of that fun stuff. But since I liked Boy in the Heron, I'll check out some of that other stuff at some point. Last thing that I wanted to bring up was I finished Resident Evil 7 and began Resident Evil 8. If Resident Evil 7 is you're in like a crossover between the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and like black mold experiments gone wrong. Resident Evil 8 feels like I'm playing through Carrion Crown. It still feels like 7, but it's such a tonal shift to be like gothic horror where I'm fighting vampire spawn and ghouls and werewolves and stuff. I'm getting nostalgic playing this game. It's so weird. Like nostalgic for a period of my life that was like not that long ago and a completely different medium with other people. I'm loving Resident Evil 8. Of course, we have to address the 12 foot tall vampire lady in the room that plays a part into it, my enjoyment of the game. But that's not the only reason. I do like the game a lot. It's gorgeous. It's really cool. I don't think you need to play seven at all to enjoy it. If you wanted to skip the seventh one, which I found infinitely scarier, Resident Evil 8 is a little bit more action forward. And truthfully, werewolves don't scare me. Neither do vampires. But like, I don't know. I do love Resident Evil 8. I suggest people check it out. I'm having the time of my life. But Griff, let's get into the meat of this episode. Sounds good. Like I said, no seltzer review today. We're going to just talk about everything that we achieved in 2023. Maybe give a little bit of a preview to what the listeners can expect in 24. Answer some questions and get the hell out of here. Might be a long one, might be a short one today. Who knows? But first one we're talking about. Let's talk about the main feed HLP. So we started the year with episode 230 the ghast supper and we were up in the upper halls of ren church through the rest of mainline hlp we went through that entire upper hall of ren church we did the entire lower dungeon had moments in the magical mansion i, I wrote down in my notes gotta shout out the worm that walks combat the two episodes <laughs> of the hlp that people are most fond about splitting the party to take out nana opal and kendra and retrieving kendra the big old return of Sawyer Savarine, the airship combat, and that final battle on the top of Galaspire, that all happened this year. It was a lot. That's a real book sixer. Yeah, it was an absolute blast. It feels like it just happened and also that it happened like five years ago. But, you know, we finished with episode 257 on July 12th, Carrying Closure. After that, we released the Carnival in Tears in its entirety on the main feed and kicked off our new campaign with our character vignettes, announced our partnership with Allard, who's doing all of the audio work for these episodes and really making them pop, I feel like. We got some awesome artwork that we've started to share with folks. 
And at the time of this episode releases, we'll probably have, I think, about five or six. I think it'll be six. Actual episodes. Okay. So, Griff, how did you feel about the finale of Karen Crown? I feel like we kind of beat that to death. But, you know, looking back on that, how do you think everything played out? And how do you feel about how the beginning of Skull and Shackles has been going so far? I definitely think Karen Crown played out pretty much how I wanted it to. I was really hoping that the finale would be a big and tough fight for you guys, but was also hoping that I wouldn't like TPKU or permanently, you know, you, you never really want the end of the adventure to end that way. Yeah. And so I'm glad it didn't. I think we got a lot of good closure for the characters. I'm just pretty proud of it in general. I think, you know, everybody did a really fantastic job with wrapping that up, despite some of our late episodes being the worm that walks fight uh, <laughs> I, I had to shout yeah it out. I, I think the rest of it went really well i think it was cool to have all of the characters that you guys played play a part in the end of the story it was really interesting to have the original party back mm-hmm. so i liked it yeah and that final episode after the big fight we had 257, which was basically a bunch of wrap-up and vignettes to kind of take these characters' stories out into the future, see what happens. I don't think there was any single one of those that I didn't enjoy thoroughly. I think everybody really had a well-thought-out, mature, beautiful way for their character to go out into the future. And I just liked how everything wrapped up. There were some really sweet moments, some really heartfelt moments, and it really did feel like the right way to end it all, you know? Yeah, it's <laughs> it's funny because usually you finish an adventure and it's just the party getting the wrap up, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not everybody's character and everybody's backup character and characters that you brought along the way. And, you know, we really kind of touched on everybody. Yeah. Well, new Skull and Shackles. What do you think? We kind of touched on it a little bit already. We're starting to pop off a little bit. I think people are going to especially love what we recorded last night. But I'm really gelling with the new cast. It's definitely a change of pace. Mm -hmm. The way these episodes are paced out, they are a little non-traditional, I feel, in that there's not necessarily a ton of we're all together at all times we're kind of cycling through as we're going through daytime activities nighttime activities influencing npcs because there's a lot of npcs that we need to talk to and i feel like maybe shortly we're gonna start it all coming together and like really getting the hook of the adventure and getting moving Mm -hmm. but it's a kind of a different style of episode i feel like I don't know. Yeah, it certainly is. It's almost giving everyone a fifth of the episode a lot of the time. Yeah. Just by the nature of how life on a ship works, there's not a ton of time for you all to just be together. And a lot of times it doesn't make sense for you all to do some of these things together. So it's been really cool to see how each of you can kind of bounce off of me individually to figure out what you want to do and how you want to accomplish it and how each of you has kind of different goals on this ship. Yeah, it's really coming together. I'm excited where we're going and I'm going to try and tease 
some teasers out of you in a little bit when we start talking about 2024, but maybe that's where we just leave 2023 for now. That's all very recent. I want to talk about some of the other things that we've achieved in 2023 across this network. So on this show specifically for The Zone of Truth, we released episodes 102 through 126. We had our friends from 25 North, STF, Pot Against the Machine on here. We had... At some point, everybody that is on the HLP network has guested on this show. We kicked off a couple new segments like Plane Shift and Power Rank Kill. We released our Post-Carrying Crown finale live stream. The critically acclaimed Poseidon's Bounty 3 Shrimp Ahoy. (laughs) And did a whole bunch of character reveals. I also went through all of the old episode agendas and tried to find all of the booze that we reviewed so without further ado here are the 14 packs we reviewed truly vodka seltzers bud light apple slices dragon's milk dragon share bourbon barrel seltzers truly wonder world pack monster beast unleashed pack protocol spiked protein bud light sangria splash arizona hard tea lipton hard iced tea the happy dad pack the funny water pack Duncan Spiked Iced Tea, Ralph's Famous Italian Ices, Spiked Seltzers, and the Truly Celebrations Variety Pack. It's a lot. We'd save some money if we didn't do this. Yeah, I'm trying to think that is, you know, because we finished these packs, Mm -hmm. that's roughly 148 seltzers. Yeah. And what do you think? So some of these, there's only three varietals within the packs, but most of them are four. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'll do just some quick calculator math here. We've got 14 packs. Let's just say times 3.8 to take into account the fact that some of these are only three. So we tried like about 53 ish different seltzers or hard teas or whatever on this show yeah wow we had some standouts right like the beast unleashed monster pack is in our rotation the arizona hard tea ones absolutely classic we had some low lights recently (laughs) the truly celebrations and happy dad was ass we had some real highs and lows this year yeah yeah we were kind of all over the board a lot of Truly on the list. I think Truly is maybe the brand that's releasing the most new packs. Yeah. And there's another one that was just released that we'll likely be doing for the live episode in January. They're very seasonal. They like doing different things. And that's just content, baby. <laughs> so that's the Zone of Truth in 2023. We'll talk a little bit about Bestow Curse here. We started the year with episode 45 war and peace and ended the year with the as yet untitled as of this recording episode 70 where we enter old corvosa and kick off book three so within those episodes we completed several mini quests for book two so we had the fight under the toy shop against the vampire spawn We had a diplomatic encounter at the Liniments Perfumery. We met our frenemy turned actual enemy, Jolstina Suspirio, in that house of horrors that Mir's mom was working at. Then we did the entire hospice and Urgothoa Temple Dungeons. We basically did, I would say, most of book two 
this past year and just kicked off book three. How are you feeling about Bestow Curse? Oh, I'm loving Bestow Curse. I think Bestow Curse is gelling on every level. Yeah. It's easily the best thing we've done start to now. You know, Mm -hmm. it had the quality up front and continued with that pace. I think there's so many things coming to the surface in book three that I'm really excited about for next year. And I think book two was just really a triumph of the party over a situation that hits like pretty close to home for everybody. So I want to talk a little bit more about book two. I loved book two and I agree with your points on our own perceived quality of the show and and the enjoyment. Uh, You're never supposed to pick favorites among your kids, but Bestow Curse is a contender for my favorite thing that we do. I have so much fun every time we record that game and I really love the party and being able to sit in one location and watch relationships with NPCs grow and develop and see what happens to the city as we go. Book two, I think there were likely, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, probably a, a couple different ways that it could hmm, maybe not have ended, but I feel like we were relatively successful in cleaning up all of these little side quests and probably minimize the damage that Blood Veil could do. Is there a situation like we talked about with going back to the episodes of Carnival of Tears, where if you ignore certain things or, or don't do well in certain places, the death toll can be a lot higher and there's really terrible consequences laid out in the book. I feel like we did well in book two. Was there a situation where we finished book two, but it was a much less favorable outcome? Yep. Yep. You guys finished with the lowest death toll. Awesome. Which is why you kind of become in these last couple of episodes somewhat famous Mm -hmm. you know it's why people recognize you and recognize what you've done in the city and do favors for you or throw parties for you or you know even the gold that the queen gives is a part of reaching that lowest death toll so the death toll was minimized as far as it could be there's like five stages of that so it gets really really bad there's a potential for it to have gone really poorly like if you didn't solve some of those side quest situations if it took you a long time to figure out the cure it's possible that it's actually in their stat blocks that both Rolf and Andason flee oh sure and you never get their notes mm-hmm. and it's possible that you never cure it wow in that case like much of the city dies and that's where you start killing NPCs that you guys know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so yeah, it could, it could be, be really bad. It could be, and I'm just like completely making shit up here, but Cressida dies or Thousand Bones dies or whomever, like people that are really important and valuable to us mm-hmm. don't make it because we did a bad job of the book. Yep. Huh. I don't know that I've ever really played a book, at least that I know about, that was early in the campaign that had ramifications that big. I don't know. I feel like book two from how you're presenting it really ripples through the rest of the campaign in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's certainly a lot of characters that potentially don't make it. Mm -hmm. The Soldado family, for instance, like likely doesn't make it if you don't fix Brienne in the beginning, Mm -hmm. just as an example. But 
there's a potential like the queen pins the failure of it to get cured on you. Really? Yeah. That's fascinating. It's like, okay, these people are wanted for killing the guy that was trying to save the city. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know that he was nefarious and spreading it, but like she pins Devilus's death on you and if nothing if it's not being cured, you become hated. Mm-hmm. That's wild. That's one of those things that it's probably going to be a long time away, but in a Bestow Curse retrospective, I would love to learn the specifics of how that ripples through and the different ways that the rest of the four books of the AP play out because you fuck up book two so bad. Yeah, it's interesting too. It's like there are levels in there where you're just relatively unknown and even the queen doesn't really know much about your involvement because Mm -hmm. you didn't do enough good to make a name for yourself but you know the cure still happens and everything it just takes a long time so there's ramifications for you guys succeeding as well as you did as you've kind of seen in the queen's speech and everything yeah well i'm glad with the way that book two of that went i want to pick your brain a little bit on what we can expect for book three in a moment here But let's change topics to all the stuff that we did on our Patreon feed this year. So we started the year deep in Chris's run of Malevolence. This would be Link's Legacy Season 4. We finished that up with Episode 33, Grave New World. And I guess I want to be very spoiler light when we're talking about this and what comes after. Because it's a subset of our listeners who are subscribed to the Patreon and are party to this, but we also did kick off Speak With Plants. We started that and we'll close the year with the as of yet untitled and unreleased episode 19. I loved Malevolence. I really had a good time. It was a very different type of adventure, but wrapping that up and starting with Speak With Plants, that was another one where kind of similar to like what I I keep going back to Carnival of Tears where that was something that we started but never quite finished off pod I was a little hesitant about that one because we had started it and it never really took off with us off pod and we wanted to give it another crack as a show and boy I fucking love playing Speed with Plants. Yeah. That's, it's so much fun. Man, that's a good time. Yeah, that's undeniably the best time I think we have. The most loose and fun we are mm-hmm. on a recorded show. Haley gives us such a long leash. She rolls with the punches, and I really like our party. We're just goofy enough that I feel like we can laugh and get away with some like really wild bits. But at the same time, we are taking the serious subject matter of this adventure path with the gravity that it deserves. Yeah. We toe the line there. Yes. We toe the line on both sides and always come out on top. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you like playing gunslinger? You like playing Jack? You know, I wish I would crit more. Yeah. Uh, that's my resolution for 24. I will say that playing a gunslinger in our off pod reign of winter game in the very early levels, I felt very restricted by the action economy mm-hmm. and the very underwhelming damage when you don't crit. But as I have started to get into the sweet spot of Pathfinder leveling when you get past like level four and you start unlocking cool abilities, I 
really did start falling in love with the class and they're very differently built gunslingers but i feel like that's gonna happen for you soon too i'm sure you're enjoying it already but the class does open up when you can start compressing that action economy with yeah. your feats and stuff yeah for sure and i've definitely made choices that are more party focused than action economy compression focused mm-hmm. but i agree i think i've been able to do a lot of stuff surprisingly out of combat which I think lends itself to being the Pistolero and having all the charisma skills. Oh, yeah. But in combat's still been fun because the group can, you know, I'm still throwing out debuffs, even if I'm not critting, and I'm still hitting a lot. So it still feels like, you know, as a party, we're gelling really well. Yeah. I've really been enjoying playing Rocks Naughty. The way that combat maneuvers are built in 2E, I think, is very fun. I really do like doing them. And come on, the Mountain Stance Monk is such a good tank build. Yeah. It's this weird little middle bit of a Venn diagram where you can do cool, fun, grapply monk stuff, but also just be able to take so much damage and avoid so much damage with that mountainous AC, take that right on the chin. It's a good time. That's a very fun class to play. Yeah, I think it works really great when paired with a rogue as the other frontliner. Oh, I yeah. Think Chris has gotten a ton of mileage out of being able to summon things, which is kind of is a fairly uncommon build for mm-hmm. a uh, sorcerer. And I just think we're all really enjoying being plants. Yeah, I think when you look at our various parties across the network, they gel in different ways like specifically the skull and shackles party i think is probably an offense forward party where we can at least with the builds that we have i think we're going to be able to put out a lot of damage really fast Mm -hmm. the bestow curse party i don't want to pin too much of this on myself but i think that's like a slower hang in there through the combat type of party as you basically have one caster that's just mitigating damage with big old heal bombs and then the other people have to make basically make the forward progress so those combats are going to be a little longer the speak with plants party is very focused on debuffing enemies and then working with this non-traditional party structure to capitalize on that it really just it really makes the small bonuses like small buffs and debuffs shine in 2e like we're really showing a lot of the time like hey, we got somebody sickened and we got them flat-footed through a grapple and now they're frightened. Mm -hmm. It's like you turn this big, scary thing into a non-threat. Yeah, and that's a thesis that I'm putting together across these three different 2E shows that we have now that I really am enjoying sitting down at the table for each one of those three different shows and having that different dynamic where we go after it still as a cohesive party, but kind of in a different way. Mm-hmm. It's very fun, and it does keep it fresh, honestly. It just, it, if you listen to all of our shows, you're gonna hear, like, how truly the strategic combat system of 2E is what makes it shine. Agreed. The fact that you can come at it from so many different angles depending on your party structure is really cool mm-hmm. and a lot different than 1E because 1E was very much about rocket tag yes 
and I think it's working really well. I'm really enjoying playing all of these three different parties. I want to touch on a couple other things that we did in 2023 very briefly, and then we're looking forward to 2024. So a couple of the other things that we did, we attended Origins right here in Columbus in 2023. We had a nice long weekend. Our friends from STF came down, their entire crew. We had an absolute blast and met a ton of people. Had a big old party at Wolf's Ridge and Pins later that night. Also, both of us individually have appeared on the STF and Friends show on their Twitch channel, eventually audio getting dropped on their Patreon feed. You're on the Redshift rally season in the front half of the year. And then right now I'm in the midst of doing Traveler with them, which is a really, really good time. So I don't know. Those were a couple things that I could think of right off the top of my head. I'm not sure if there's anything else that we really want to call out for 2023, but I think those were some of the highlights for me. Yeah, I think we were both on a couple of episodes of... 25 North. Yeah, of 25 North. um, Their Dubious Knowledge. Dubious Knowledge, yes. Dubious Knowledge show. I did Zonkathon and Urgothoa. And I did Phrasma, and I am... A shoe in for when they eventually get to air it in. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Will be a con- controversial episode. Oh, controversial. Some takes on air it in. Oh, some controversial takes. Yeah, sure. We'll see. We'll see. But yeah, that's 2023 in a nutshell. I do want to talk about 2024 now. Okay. Talk about some of the things that we're going to be doing. So we did have the big changeover in 2023, carrying crown to skull and shackles, and we've started the show off. I feel like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, we are likely to finish book one in 2024. Oh, most definitely. Assuming, and I think this is a pretty good metric for us, about 30 episodes for book at a pace and probably get halfway through book two. Yeah, potentially. That sounds about right since we're going to be doing, what, 52 episodes of it? Yeah. Well, it's a weekly show. That's right. Yeah, we'd be at 58 total episodes by the end of the year, so potentially close to the end of book two. What should our listeners be excited for in 2024 Skull and Shackles related? Oh man, be excited for revenge and comeuppance and ship to ship combat and island adventures and a hell of a lot of treasure. All in one year? Oh, easily in one year, baby. Hell yeah. Well, hey, on the note of Skull and Shackles, It's not quite Christmas yet, but last time we got together, you gave me some Christmas presents on air. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is where I kind of, emphasis on kind of, want to return the favor because I actually don't have anything physical. But it ties into Skull and Shackles. This episode hasn't released yet. But remember last night when we were talking about, in our banter, some of our favorite pirate accessories. Mm -hmm. The thing that you brought up was a spyglass. Oh, yeah, yeah. And this is how you know I didn't just listen to that episode and fucking bought one right afterwards. But if you listen back to what I say, you're like, I was thinking about buying this one at the Ren Fair, and I just said, don't. Don't. <laughs> because I bought you one. That's it awesome. Has, it has a leather carrying case. It's probably not going to come in before Christmas, which is why I'm just telling you about this now. But check this out, dude. I found one that you can get engraved mm-hmm. on three separate parts of the spyglass. So I have... Wormwood 4712 AR, which is when the book kicks off, and then documenting exactly when you would have got it in the canon. And it says, what does it say? It says, 
departed Port Peril and headed to plunder the Fever Sea or something like that. Oh, that's awesome, So you're going to get a spyglass with a leather carrying case. You can pair it with your pirate hat and you'll probably receive it in the new year, which is probably the next time I'll see you. That's fine. I won't be uh, wearing it until we're at another Ren Fair, probably. Yeah, but I couldn't believe that you brought it up last night as the thing that you wanted and almost bought because I was like... I just I just bought that for you like a day yeah, ago. That's, that's hilarious. <laughs> yep. Like I was saying, we saw a bunch of them at the one leather shop and they never have them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, these are a great pirate accessory. We should get these. And then I was like, oh, we're here to buy gifts for other people. Yeah. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I'm glad you didn't because then you would just have two. Well, then I just akimbo them. I just oh. I'd make binoculars with them. Hell Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And when it comes in, I'll take photos and everything to show people because I'm excited how this engraving turns out. I think it's going to be cool. Yeah, that sounds cool. Cool. Well, we've got a little preview about what's to come for Skull and Shackles for the year. Zone of Truth. So we're going to continue trying to get some cool folks on the show. And I think our first guest we've been talking with for a little bit going to be early in the year. We're going to talk to the team behind the mobile game Pathfinder Lore Masters, which the folks from the development studio hooked us up with some download codes to check the game out. And I have been playing it. I'm level eight, been playing it in between sets at the gym. I had to get to level eight because that's when you unlock the little Amiri icon. So now my okay. my icon is Amiri. <laughs> And I've been having a blast. So I'm really looking forward to talking to those folks and learning what what their relationship was with Paizo developing this game, how you develop a game that's not a TTRPG. It's uh, it's kind of like, I don't know if you remember Quiz Up. I don't know if that's anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I kind of thought of with it. Yeah. So going to be talking to them. I'm pretty excited. Yeah. It's going to be really cool to talk to them. I think their next update, which should be around, we might actually get to play it before we talk to them, but should be the Kingmaker update. They're doing like the lore surrounding that adventure without spoiling that adventure. Like that's such a cool concept. If they continue to do that with APs, it's going to give, it's like, hey, here's your homework for starting this AP. Mm -hmm. Like work your way through the lore master's quiz of this AP. It doesn't spoil anything, but it gives you a ton of information about the like, the area and the you know the background it gives you ideas for your characters i think that would be a super useful tool for running adventures and not to tread too much on the territory of the discussion that we're going to have but i found that you know really interesting and helpful too not necessarily kingmaker specific but playing through the game having to go through like this quiz format version of all of these questions around rules and lore and classes and all of this different stuff i find myself learning quite a bit about corners of the world we haven't explored or classes that i've never played it's kind of cool it's like the digital version of what i used to get good at the first edition rules which was in first edition they had a deck of cards Mm -hmm. that had all of the rules like it had segments of the rules oh sure had a question about the segment of the rules on one side and the answer on the back. Mm-hmm. And it was like a 300 card deck. That's and I awesome. Would just I didn't know that, that. Yeah, We should play that as a Zona Tree segment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Go All back right. to the one he rules, baby. <laughs> yeah. See how much we remember. The other thing that I want to talk about for Zona Truth is that we have decided 
what Poseidon's bounty for will be. Oh yeah, baby. We've locked it in. I'll say Chris is furious, I think. I thought he was dubiously on board. Uh, he wasn't. We had to throw a couple of things into the pot. Yeah, we had to sweeten it up for him a little bit. Now, this was something that you came up with. You dropped it into our Discord. I immediately signed off on it. And then Chris said, no, God, no. <laughs> and then we went into negotiation. When this episode drops, Poseidon's Bounty 4 is only going to be a few months away. Yeah, very true. Should we announce what it is? Absolutely. Okay. Can I give a little background on how I came up with this idea? Yes, because I don't think I know how you came up with this idea. So I obviously scroll TikTok, as many of us do, and I've been getting a lot of like culinary channels on there, mainly because I like to do like the recipes of things that have like high protein replacements and whatever. But I stumbled upon this account of this guy that was spending like a year in Italy. Mm -hmm. And every day for lunch, he did a meal that was surrounding a different tin of fish. Yep. Because that's very popular. It's, it's actually like somewhat of a delicacy in Italy and mm-hmm. in Spain because they have fantastic quality tin fish and they like to, you know, combine it with different breads, different wines, different, you know, accoutrement to spice it up and kind of make it like a charcuterie thing, but with fish. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I'm sure we can find a bevy of canned fish. Absolutely, we can. And so I, 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 <laughs> I messaged the group and I go, guys, I have an idea of a Poseidon's bounty. I'm calling it Fin Tin Tin. And you're both like, what? <laughs> this was also like in September of last yeah, year. Yeah. <laughs> it was way ahead of schedule. And I was like, Fin Tin Tin. We, instead of going out and getting fast food fish sandwiches, we're going to do Poseidon's Bounty, but with different canned and tinned fish products. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's all coming out of a can. We're going to try a lot of them. Yeah, it's out of the can now, baby. Yeah, and some of them will be that higher quality, pretty tasty tinned fish. But then we're going chicken of the sea and all of that fun stuff. We're going to do the gamut. Yeah, so... My thought around the format, and we haven't quite landed on the format, just the idea, but to, and this is kind of what got Chris on board, was to go to this huge, famous grocery store outside of Cincinnati called Jungle Gyms mm-hmm. because they have imported all kinds of stuff. And so we're going to be able to find a huge variety of tin fish there. And my idea was that everyone shops separately and gets <laughs> tins of fish that they are interested in. And then we'll do our traditional ratings. Uh-huh. And then whoever's tin fish got the best ratings gets to pick next year's Poseidon's Bounty. Oh, man. <sighs> A lot's on the line here. <laughs> on the line, baby. But I'm really excited about this year. I think it is... <laughs> it's something new. It's something different. And yet also a logical progression. I don't think it'll be quite the challenge that the power hour was but i i think eating tin fish is gonna get really old really fast but at least we don't have to like reheat everything at least yeah i think the biggest thing is that it's gonna be a true rating because what i worry about every year with poseidon's bounty is that whatever we're trying at the end because it's less fresh and because we've done our best to Mm -hmm. keep it warm but we never succeed yep is just getting a lower rating because it's 
been an hour since it's been purchased. And we're greasy and mad at this point. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So you're right. I think it might be a little bit of a pure concept. I think it's going to work well. I think the people are going to love it. And then we'll be getting ready for Poseidon's Bounty 5 in 2025. Wow, interesting how that works out. Let's talk about the other two shows that we have on the network and then get into a couple of listener questions. So, again, assuming a roughly 30 at per book pace, we should be close to, if not finishing book three. No, probably not with the bi-weekly pace, actually. Well, it'll be like 25 episodes. You guys are already maybe two into book three. Mm -hmm. So we'll be close to the end, probably. Teasers for book three. It's called Escape from Old Corvosa. We are in Old Corvosa right now. We know there's this emperor. Ben Carlo Orsini's going to play a part into it. Vex's grandfather's been name dropped. What should people be looking forward to? What I will say is that through literal no stacking of my own, that Hera reading was a perfect premonition for this book. Sweet. Like everything fell into a good place. And that's why I keep telling you guys, remember your theories around this reading. Remember where things were in the reading because it's telling you ahead of time what's happening. Sure. Like a true divination should. But boy, I'm so excited for Vex arc in this one. I'm very excited for just the... I think Vec and Sylvie are probably going to see the most character growth in this piece. And maybe I'm discounting Mir. I think Mir will see it a lot too. Diego is going to be book four mostly. But because Vec and Mir are from Old Corvosa and are already starting to see how horrible things have gotten, mm-hmm. and because you're on a lead that Vencarlo has gone missing, well, that's a huge piece of Sylvie's story. Yeah. You're going on another lead that something terrible has happened to Vec's grandpa. And obviously that's like, core piece of his backstory so these things are all going to come to a head in this book and as i kind of mentioned previously like this is kind of the pinnacle of like what happens with you guys in this city Mm -hmm. like you already know you've already been spoiled that book five is in scarwall that's not in corvosa yep eventually this story leaves the city and then has to come back Mm mm-hmm And so this is where you truly get to be the saviors of a part of a city. I'm looking forward to it. If the first couple episodes of this combined with what you've just mentioned are any indication, I feel like this is going to be a very emotionally taxing book because what we've seen so far of the citizens of old Corvosa, they ain't doing good. No. So we'll see. I am looking forward to it. Always looking forward to a little of that character growth. It's going to be fun. It's going to be very serious, but I love Bestow Curse, so can't wait for that. Let's touch on the Patreon feed for a second. And this is one that we'll probably have the least to say about, right? Because neither of us are the GM of the show. <laughs> but we should close book one out and start book two. And as mentioned earlier, since we did kick off the adventure off pod previously, we are in brand new territory. Yep. None of us have made it this far. So everything from here on out is new. We have no idea what's going to happen. We're fighting the Iron Fang Legion and I guess just get ready to to enjoy it with us because I don't know what to say for this one. I can't tease any teasers out of you. Yeah, I don't don't know where we're going here, but I know it's going to be a good ride. Mm -hmm. So 
just buckle up with me and Steve. Yes. <laughs> and hang on. So, got a couple listener questions before we get out of here. I think we can. Oh, go I do. I do want to talk oh, sure. a little bit about 2024. I'm fairly hopeful. Again, nothing is set in stone here, but I'm fairly hopeful that we will begin streaming Linked Legacy again in 2024. Now that we've gotten the editing of Golan Shackles off of our plate, which frees up a ton of space for the cast. And now that through early 2024, we'll have gotten kind of Skull and Shackles up and running and under us and consistent. I think that will then be time to start Link Legacy again. However, my plan for the show has changed. And this is partly due to like what is available in Foundry, the system that we'll be using to stream and partly because I just think there's an interesting segue between this adventure and new adventures that I'd like to bring to a live show. We're going to pivot, and I'm not going to say we'll never do it, but we're just going to put it on hold. We're going to start with Rust Hamish. Ooh. So the live Linked Legacy shows will begin with Rust Hamish, not with Crown of the Cobalt King. Mm-hmm. This is the... Adventure that was relatively recently released. This is a module. I really don't know much about it, except it kind of ties into the mythos around the Rune Lords and Thassalon. Yep, a little bit. And that's all I know. Yeah. So Good. Stay in the dark. That's the idea. You told me I had to stay in the dark, so I will. But yeah, stay tuned. We will figure out when we're doing that and what that's going to look like. So, all right. Anything else for 2024? I don't think so. Great. Let's bang through a couple listener questions quick. This went a little longer than I expected, but first one from Jason. Are y'all thinking of inviting anyone from Paizo on to talk about the remaster or just handle it yourselves? I think generally it's going to be a gradual shift. I would not be against talking to someone about the remaster. I think that would be a lot of fun, but scheduling and all of that fun stuff. So as we've slightly touched on in one of the beginning episodes of Skull and Shackles, it's just going to work its way into all of our stuff and eventually we'll realize that we're working with all remastered rules and it'll be a gradual transition. I think I kind of nailed it there. Yeah, I think for us at this point, remaster has already been released. Mm -hmm. It's already kind of been beat to death with people having Paizo people on their shows. I think most likely if we were to have somebody from Paizo on like a Zone of Truth, it'd be towards the middle of the year with the Player Core 2 coming out. That would be fun. We have a lot of characters that are impacted by Player Core 2, namely, I believe both of Emily's characters, the Swashbuckler and the Champion, Mm -hmm. will be impacted. I'm not sure if the Monk is, but they might be. They weren't a part of... They weren't They weren't a part of one. I'm not sure the entire list. I know that those two are are a part of it. Oracle and Barbarian are... Yeah, so Vec will be impacted and Diego will be impacted. Druid already came out. It wasn't super materially changed, so... Mirror's the safe one for now. Yep. And the rest of you are probably going to get tweaked pretty heavily in Bestow Curse. So I think that'll be something we're going to want to talk about. Yeah. It'll happen at some point, but let's hit another question. This comes from Newt. And I think this is a pretty Skull and Shackles focused question. If a character ends up dying, will the new character get an intro like the main party has? So I think what he's essentially saying here is 
no one's immune to death in these adventures, and we just started a new campaign. What happens if next episode Atlas dies? Like, what? How do we handle that? Yeah, I think knocking on wood here, of course. Right, right. I think I definitely like to do another vignette. Mm-hmm. The difficulty with doing that when a character dies is always timing with a weekly show. So, given enough runtime, I'd love to do that. If we have a situation like some of the deaths in Carrying Crown, where we kind of had to turn around the next week and bring in a new character. With the amount of work you guys put into these vignettes, I don't know that that would be possible like when they're introduced, but I'd obviously love to drop it eventually just to give some more context to that character's place in the world. Mm -hmm. So I think it's definitely something that is in the cards. I'd like to do it. It'll kind of depend on surrounding circumstances, but right now my stance is I think we should give Mm -hmm. them a vignette. And that answer probably changes five or six months from now, right? If we're deep into book one, headed towards the back half of it and a character dies, maybe they don't get the same treatment as if somebody died right now. Right. But we'll see. Hopefully we don't have to worry about that, but glad that that is addressed so we know what to expect if and when that does happen. Another question from Jason here. Griff, are you holding your nose to make the Scourge plug voice? Uh, For Scourge, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so Scourge is super nasally and I think I kind of kidded done it without holding my but it sounds much more nasally when I hold my nose so mm-hmm. I hold my nose because he's kind of a sniveling person yeah I think that probably does it for what we want to hit for today wrap up in housekeeping I mean hell this whole episode's been housekeeping but cool stuff coming up the only thing that I have to plug is that the third ep of the STF and Friends season of Traveler featuring myself is going to come out soon in the new year. It's going to be streamed and then dropped onto the STF Patreon feed. That is, as of recording, to be scheduled, but should be early January. So just keep an eye out. Been loving playing Traveler and really excited to see where that scenario goes. I think that's pretty much it, though. Am I missing anything? I don't think so. All right. Well, pleasure chatting with you, Griff, to talk about all things 2023 and what people should be looking forward to in 2024. I think we had some good announcements, some good teases, a lot of stuff for the folks at home to chew on. So with that, I think we should wrap it up here. You succeeded on your will save, made it out of the zone of truth. Happy 2024. Is there anything that you would like to say to the folks at home? Finish your champagne. We'll see you in two weeks. Later.